Hi everyone, it's Tessa and Joe from the Unveiling Paradise Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Tessa, summer is almost here and so many of our listeners are about to have their epic destination wedding. And we are so excited for you guys. Before the big day, guys, we want you to make sure you listen to these three episodes. Episode 62, Deep Diving Your Wedding Ceremony. Episode 53, Questions Your Wedding Guests Will Ask. And episode 31, the final countdown to your wedding day. And if you're planning your wedding here in Hawaii, hit us up and ask us about our Unveiling Paradise podcast promo. Happy planning. Welcome back, everyone, to the Unveiling Paradise podcast. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Hey, Tessa. Super good. Ready for today. I am excited for today. I know I say that every week, but I am really excited for multiple reasons for today. We have a special guest on with us today. Do you know who it is? I do. She's sitting right in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to introduce her. Is that okay? Go for it. Great. We have today Christiana Okada. She is the Director of Catering at the Hale Kulani. Welcome, Christiana. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's an honor to be here, and it's really cool. Thank you. Christiana, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. What I love and why we brought you on is a couple things, right? Number one, you are at one of my favorite venues ever. We're going to talk about their cake. I know that I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I know that I talk about cake a lot, but I'm so excited for that. I also love the fact that you currently work in Hawaii, which is obviously a huge destination market, but you came from Las Vegas, which is another huge destination market. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I was actually born and raised in Romania, moved you know, to Vegas when I was a kid, but I've kind of made my way all over the world a little bit. I've you know been in Vegas up until just a few months ago and I moved over here. I really just kind of fell in love with the hospitality industry. Um, when I graduated high school, I wanted to become a dentist. Quickly found out that that is not the path for me. Interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, worked my way up in hospitality and just started on the room side and then got into events, you know, and just fell in love with doing events because I'm so lucky in, in, in a position like mine, I could work on a project and I could see it come to life. You know, how many people have the opportunity to work on something day in and out and then see clients at the end of the day happy. They're like, you made my day so much better, right? So it's a lot of a rewarding feeling. I'm also very fortunate to work in two different places that have great views. There's sometimes, you know, <laughs> in Vegas, I was working, walking at the front desk. I'm like, wow, we're in the middle of the strip. This is amazing. It's beautiful. I was at the Waldorf Astoria over there, previous Mandarin Oriental. And then I am at Halekulani now, and I walk out of my office. I'm like, wow, this view is amazing, too. You got a, a bunch of pretty lights and then also beautiful ocean view and Diamond Head. So I've been fortunate, you know, to spend a few years of my career kind of doing that and kind of bring my knowledge from one cool city to another cool city. And you really kind of just figure out the vibe there. So you are the director of catering. For all of our listeners, what does that mean? What is that job mm. all about? It's a good question. So I basically handle anything that comes with events, doing an event, Mm. whether it's a wedding, whether it's a corporate event, whether it's a meeting, the setup that comes into it, you know, the, the selling the venue, figuring out what the best venue is for that specific client and also what the best, you know, food and beverage plan is, you know, work on them to figure out the timeline, how their guests can have an amazing experience into, you know, going into a meeting, going into celebration events, helping them from a venue hotel perspective, figure out what works best for them. So we have a lot to talk about today. I think sometimes when you're at the beginning process of planning your wedding, it's a lot of kind of, I don't know, like very quick, like speed dating with hotel properties, 
venues to try to figure out what is the right fit for me. So that's what we want to talk about today. We have kind of pre-thought six different things we think are important when you're choosing your venue for your hotel wedding. So let's get started. Welcome to Unveiling Paradise, your go-to destination wedding podcast. I'm Tessa, wedding planner and owner of Fred and Kate Events. And I'm Joe, wedding and adventure photographer of Joseph Esser Photography. We are based in Hawaii, one of the biggest, most popular locations for destination weddings. We want to share our real-life experiences with you, give you insight from a professional's perspective, and still make sure you're having fun in the process. We're huge believers in the fact that planning a destination wedding can be one of the most amazing experiences, and we want to bring you along. We're so excited to talk with you about weddings, Hawaii, and everything else under the sun. So pack your bags and let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to the Unveiling Paradise podcast. Again, this week, we have Christiana Okada with us from the Halekulani. And let's talk about the elevated experience that you can have at a hotel. So, Christiana, you know, planning a destination wedding is always a little trickier, right, versus planning a local wedding. When couples are planning afar, they can't see the venue. They're not here. You know, I think it makes it a little harder for them to make decisions How do you bridge that gap? You know, when you have especially international destination couples, what kind of support, what kind of help do you offer as a venue for these couples? Well, you know, it's hard and we understand that it's difficult when you don't know the place like it's your home. You don't know how you can get around from place to place, how easy it is to maneuver, how, you know, what your resources are, but also what's fair pricing for the market. You know, Vegas pricing is very different than Hawaii pricing as well. So I think this is where, you know, as a couple, take a step back, figure out who your resources are. And at the end of the day, know who who to reach out to, to get that guidance and be open to that guidance. You know, for example, catering manager can absolutely help in saying these are the best things you can do around us. A concierge in a hotel can go ahead and help with that too. They can recommend restaurants. They can recommend transportation, so on and so forth. Your wedding planner can tell you, hey, let's look at these vendors, these resources. So I think as a couple, it's important to take a step back and realize although you have a vision, you're going to need a little bit of extra help to get to that vision. and leaning on your resources and being open-minded about what information the experts in that area can provide you. And I think that's a great point. It's leaning into your team of experts, right? So if you're getting married at a hotel, you have, again, your catering team, your concierge. So you have all of these people in place that can give you that expert advice. In addition to partnering with your wedding planner, Mm -hmm. it kind of completes the whole circle of It's giving you the knowledge that you need for a destination that you may not be 100% familiar with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can we step back a second, though? I want to say, when you're in that initial phase of planning, how do you figure out if this hotel property is the right fit Mm -hmm. for your wedding? How does a couple who aren't physically there Mm -hmm. able to really find out, does this hotel meet all of my requirements? This is going to be the spot that I want to have my ceremony I guess that's a, that's a question I think we should talk about. Like yeah. before you actually have signed that contract, what do we need to know? What questions do we need to be asking? At the end of the day, I think just like marriage, it's a decision that needs to come from the heart, right? And it's about the mood, the vibe that you get talking to the sales representative at the hotel. You know, it's looking through the pictures of on property or videos that the sales manager might send you 
and asking yourself, how does this make me feel? Mm. You know, am I falling in love with the property? Am I falling in love with my catering manager? Because I'm probably going to be working with her for the next few months. And really kind of having it come from the soul and having a good, you know, relationship there, I think is very, very crucial. With technology these days, it's really great. Obviously, you can FaceTime someone and can give you a full property tour. You can look at their website, you can look at the social media, so on and so forth. So as far as pictures and resources, there's ways of getting those to you. But at the end of the day, does it feel right in your heart? Have you made that connection with that other person that's on the other side that will help you put all this together? Taking one step back from that even further. When well, how we, many steps backwards are we taking? We're going, we're going so far back. Before engagement. <laughs> but what I want to talk about too is when you're looking at your venue, right? It's kind of those basic, like, what are your must-haves? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be at a private venue where there's no one else around you? Then a hotel may not be the best fit for you. Are you looking for a venue where, again, it's easy for your guests to get to the venue without having transportation? Mm -hmm. Then a hotel might be the perfect fit for you. Mm -hmm. Are you looking for something that is on the water? Are you looking for something in the mountains? All of these things, right? It's kind of that what are your must-haves first? Mm -hmm. Narrow that down, and then you kind of start the venue search. Of course. And I think with that, too, is just sitting down, you know, with your significant others and figuring out what's a priority for you and what isn't. You know, what are your guests like? Do you have older guests? Do you have younger guests that need to party? Do you, you know, are they coming from all over the world or are they coming from around the island, for example? So kind of knowing your guests and knowing what you're envisioning for your wedding as well can give you kind of that groundwork of, what venues do I even look at, right? And I think this is, for the couple's perspective, easier when they choose a wedding planner before they choose a venue because that wedding planner can then help guide them as opposed to choosing a venue first and then the wedding planner after. So it's always, you know, the that trick of, do I go with the planner first or with the venue first? Oh my gosh, you just opened the biggest can of worms. <laughs> I was <laughs> just talking about this, chicken or the egg, which one do you do first? Mm-hmm. But To your point, right? When you have a wedding planner first, it's helping to kind of narrow some of these things down Mm -hmm. so you can make an informed decision Mm -hmm. and pick the best venue, get that vibe, get that Mm -hmm. feeling, right? Because then at that point, when you're looking at the venue, you want to fall in love with that catering manager. You want to fall in love with the space. You want to walk in and say, this is where I imagine my wedding. This Mm -hmm. is it. And I think that's the thing that's so unique about Destination Weddings is you do need to find those kind of clutch people that help connect your ideas with Mm -hmm. actual businesses and actual properties, right? So if you're having a wedding of 500 people, some hotels might be great and some just don't have the capacity for that. And I think that that is really, let's close that can of worms for now. (laughs) (laughs) I always like to keep that can of worms open. (laughs) But it is, but it is, I think those are the two most important things that couples do initially in planning the hotel, finding the right property, and finding the right coordinator that can connect ideas with their wedding day. Can we take a step back forward now? <laughs> Fine, we can go forward again. I love what you said about technology. Now you can do a virtual tour. Now the, there's so many pictures of properties from Instagram to like Pinterest that you can really get a great idea of what that space looks like, right? And I think that's such an amazing tool for planning a destination wedding. Besides technology and jumping on a phone call, any other tools that our couples can, you know, like use to like to figure out if this particular property is the right fit for their wedding. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Tessa, what is the best thing you can have on a hot summer wedding day? Gosh, Joe, honestly, there is nothing better than fine time shave ice. I love fine time shave ice. So good. Honestly, it's the soft ice, the variety of syrups and flavors, and their toppings. Their toppings are incredible from ice cream to mochi balls to condensed milk. It is amazing. Stop. I'm getting so hungry. I know. Well, if you want some, check it out. Fine time shave ice. And check out their company and all their delicious flavors on our show notes. Do it now. You know, I know, Christiana, you mentioned this before, but, you know, whenever I have couples that are kind of unsure, a lot of times I'll say, hey, I have a wedding at the Halikulani. Let me FaceTime you when I'm there so they can actually see the setup, see the ceremony, see the reception. And they're like, oh, my God, I love it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've done that with a lot of my couples. And I think for them to be able to FaceTime me and they're like, "Okay, can you turn a little to the right? Like what's in this corner or like. Okay, wait, who are those people? Is Wait, is that what the staff wears? It's so much more interactive. It's as if they're there now. So again, technology makes it so much easier for couples to get into it and see even if they're not physically here. And the same goes for us. We love doing that as well because we then get a chance to, you know, more personally connect with that couple as well. And just like you said, if we can time it when we're doing a a wedding, we're in the middle of an event, then we can actually show them what, what it's like. So we love that too. Some properties also have, beautiful 3D virtual diagrams as well. So there are, you know, thank goodness for for technology, there are so many different ways that we can show them the space and it's like they're there. Putting you on the spot, Christiana. Here we Mm. go. You ready? Mm. Yes, totally. (laughs) I'm so prepared for this. (laughs) What questions should I be asking if I'm a couple planning a wedding? What questions should I be asking my venue? Mm -hmm. If you're prepping a phone call with yourself or a catering manager, what questions should you be prepared to ask? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, one of the big questions that is really prevalent in every event that we do is asking about capacities. You know, what if I grow? What if I'm smaller? What does that look like? Do I have to spend more per person? Can I fit in the room still? If I grow more than that, is there a backup room? So understanding what your options are. Every hotel will be a little bit different. So really understanding kind of where your limitations and where your options are are going to be really crucial. Also important knowing if your guests are staying on property or coming off property, what does parking look like? What does accessibility look like? Are there any limitations there? Any things that I need to consider? Even from a budget perspective, if it's paid parking versus, you know, complimentary parking, valet, so on and so forth, that's um, something really good to keep in mind as well. Food and beverage, if you have any specific ideas in mind that you hold very near and dear to your heart, you know, can your chef accommodate that? Can we go off of the menu a little bit? Just learning your priorities and having those conversations will help, you know, us kind of guide guide the client the right way too. I think that's exactly right. And I have a lot of couples where, again, I love the Halikulani, but I have couples, for example, that want this like hardcore EDM rager. Mm. Having it at the beautiful outdoor terrace at the Halikulani is not the right vibe, right? So it's understanding, you know, you have a ballroom, for example. Does it make more sense to go into the ballroom? Okay, well, they want to be on the ocean. Then this may not be the best fit for them, right? But if you want something a little more elevated, if you want a venue where you have amazing food, you have amazing cake, the staff is above and beyond, Mm -hmm. you have this gorgeous ocean view, then this is the right fit for you. So really, like you said, it's, what are your must-have items, right? When you're when you're looking at a venue, what are the things that you should be thinking about? What does the venue provide? And, and do they check off 
the boxes that make you happy. And I think that's really important. If there's something you're doing at your wedding that's so niche, like so, for example, I don't know if you're releasing butterflies. Is that okay? And if that's the thing that's most important to you and you're like, I have to have butterflies. I don't have butterflies. You know, I'm going to, this is my wedding's going to be horrible, whatever. <laughs> right. Is that something that is allowed at that property? Mm-hmm. And if not, I mean, that's a huge thing to know up front, right? Absolutely. Of course. And, and I think those are the items that when you're starting to look for a venue, you really should have a list of what your priorities are, have an understanding of what your priorities are. If you want to release butterflies, perfect. We're going to release butterflies outdoors. We're not going to do that inside the box. <laughs> if you want to throw petals, we can do that. You know, for example, what hotels really will not so much be inclined to allow will be anything that has an opportunity to damage the property or disturb the guests around as well, right? Because you are in a hotel venue, you do have hotel guests walking, you know, throughout the property as well. If you are in a public space, hotels will very, very much keep that in mind and make sure that while you are having a great experience at an event, our hotel guests are also comfortable and and not disturbed by anything that's happening, right? So that's an example of a non-negotiable item, anything that would really disturb either the property or the guest experience on the outside too. So you're coming from Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure people request to have like tigers, like, you know, like the hangover movie at their weddings and stuff. So not, (laughs) not negotiable, like Mm -hmm. no tigers at a wedding. Depending on your venue. (laughs) Oh, really? So tigers are on the table. (laughs) And I say that because a few years back I was working with a client and the literally said to me, I want to bring a tiger in the ballroom. And I looked <laughs> no at my director way. and I was like, are we going to bring a tiger in the ballroom? And that didn't end up happening. However, there are other things that happened, like, you know, a petting zoo in the ballroom. So <laughs> I don't know if a tiger is better or worse. But have these conversations yeah. with the venue. You never know what other venues, other locations might have done or might not have done. For example, Indian weddings, you know, Elephants. a horse, an elephant. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are things that if you're not experienced and you think that it's an outlandish idea, but some hotels might have dealt with that already, you know. So just ask the questions, the conversation to have. I love that we're talking about tigers and elephants and horses. And butterflies. (laughs) (laughs) And butterflies. What I find, though, just to kind of bring it down a notch, I think some of the common non-negotiables or things that people really want that are often a little tricky, you want to double check with the hotel is sparklers, right? Not just cold sparks, but the actual sparklers. People get excited and they want to launch it from the hotel venue. Again, like EDM, just very, very loud amplified sound outdoors at hotels because you have to realize, right, you're in the middle of towers of guest rooms. So that's another one. Drones. So if you have this vision of having a drone at your wedding, a lot of high-end hotels don't allow it because of the privacy of their guests. So keeping that in mind. And then the one that I get a lot is can we close the pool? So they want to be able to close the guest pools. And that is tricky because it's definitely one of those things where now it's your wedding, but they also have to accommodate all of these other guest experience. And again, this is where, you know, having that conversation with the sales representative at the hotel is crucial because we might say, hey, you can't do it during these certain times, but we can look at this time. We can maybe close the pool Mm -hmm. a little bit early, so on and so forth. So this is all think there are opportunities out there. Just have the discussions and the hotel will be very honest with you on what can be done and can't be done. And again, have it before you decide on your venue, right? If closing the pool 
is your must-have non-negotiable. Figure that out before you decide and you book exactly, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Christiana, the other day Joe and I were talking, and he was telling me how awesome my job is. Because I go to food tastings all the time. It's not fair. I don't ever get invited. (laughs) I was sending him pictures of this food tasting. It was like a four-course meal, but every course had two options. So I think the tasting was at like 11 a.m. I did not eat for the rest of the day. It was so much food. It was so good, but it's amazing, (laughs) right? Like food tastings are so much fun. Is there a point to this or are you just trying to rub it in my face? (laughs) Well, okay, I started with a point. Then we kind of went to making fun of you. I just wanted you to get a little jealous, but I do want to talk about food tastings. One of the questions that I get from a lot of my destination couples is, is it worth flying in to do a tasting, a site visit? Basically, how does that work? If I don't live here and I'm picking this menu and it's, you know, it's a big deal. You're spending a lot of money on your food. This is going to kind of make or break the guest experience, in my opinion. Like, how do you help them navigate the food options, buffet versus plated or all those things? Like, how do you start? Where do you start with that? Mm-hmm. So, again, this comes down to really understanding as a couple what, you know, what you're looking for. If you're huge foodies, then, yes, it might be worth it to fly down and actually experience the food. But if, you know, you're more drinkers, more partiers, then, you know, food might be a, a little bit lower on your priority list, right? So I think if you have to choose coming down for a site visit or for a food tasting, again, depending on your priorities, it might be better just come for the site visit and just rely on expertise for the food tasting or, you know, vice versa. Again, your catering manager can tell you, hey, these are popular options, must go to items, so on and so forth. As far as, you know, choosing a menu, it's good to understand the flow that you want for your event. And also, again, as I mentioned a little bit, your guest list. For example, Are your guests coming from California or are they coming from the Midwest? They're going to want very different food. Finding, you know, the balance and kind of what the priorities are there. Do you want your guests to get up and take their food? It creates a different flow on the wedding timeline and the wedding vibe as opposed to them sitting down that, you know, a plated meal usually has a little bit more elegant feel to it than a buffet because guests are not getting up, grabbing their plate, coming back down. So I think out of buffet versus plated, it's really understanding kind of your timeline and what your priorities are, you know, within the venue. Tessa, have you ever done a food tasting for a couple that actually couldn't fly in and you were like the taste buds for them? Have you ever done that? I actually have done it. So I don't know if anyone knows this, but I did go to culinary school. (laughs) She always tries to brag. I say it as often as I can because Joe doesn't believe me. So I just keep (laughs) saying it. So he thinks it's true. But I did. So I have done a few tastings. And again, like I'll be FaceTiming with my couple. And And they're watching you eat. Is that awkward for you? (laughs) It can be a little. I've done it for food tastings. I've done cake tastings for couples. I mean, again, like Joe was saying, like I have a great job. I'm very, very lucky, but I have done it. A lot of them are like, well, how's the chicken? What about the fish? Which one do you prefer? And so for me, I'm trying to come at it not as a, well, I liked the fish, right? Mm -hmm. It's a you know what? The chicken was very, very tender. And again, we've talked about this in another episode, but it's understanding that if we're serving, for example, a plated meal, you're trying to find one menu that's going to please the majority of your guests, Mm -hmm. short of allergies. If you're doing a buffet, again, if we're choosing your protein options as lamb and duck, it's going to be a hard sell. We're trying to choose food that the majority of your guests will like. So it's, it's a little bit of strategy when we're looking at menus versus which one do you like the best? And again, if we're going to get into the very nitty gritty, depending on your hotel, depending on your venue, some of them, depending on your guest count, you don't get to choose two or three options. You may, if it's say under 50 people, 
you may only get to choose one option. And then obviously, if there's any dietary restrictions, they will accommodate those. But you can't choose a chicken or steak. You have to choose either one meal or like a surf and turf. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. But it's understanding if food is really important, talk to the venue before to figure out what do those options look like. You may be disappointed if you have a 20-person wedding, realizing that you can't offer five different entrees. Exactly. And really knowing your dietary restrictions and getting that information from the guests is crucial for the hotel to know so they could properly prepare. If, you know, we're looking at a plated meal and we know ahead of time that we have five vegetarians, two gluten-free, so on and so forth, we can have those ready and then the service would be seamless. Don't have that information ahead of time. It's a little, it delays service a little bit because now we're going back and forth to the kitchen trying to make sure that we can accommodate it. So every hotel will do everything in their power to accommodate those dietary restrictions, but knowing them ahead of time really helps the service flow tremendously too. And I think one of the positives, one of the perks of getting married at a hotel is the flexibility of your food and beverage team, right? You are an outlet that is is constantly doing events. So in terms of the ability to pivot or to create these really, really great, again, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free meals, I've had a lot of kind of leftover meals for the vendors and they're always really good. You know, all of these dietary restrictions, it's not just like, oh, here's some lettuce or here's, you know, a tomato because that's all we have for you is they've created some fabulous meals for your guests that need those special accommodations. Absolutely. And I think, you know, hotels now, especially higher end hotels, pride themselves on the options that they offer because those guests are looking, just like you said, for a little bit more elevated option, not just lettuce on the plate. So Christiana, like in terms of like your pro tips and pointers, right, for choosing a menu, what do you recommend? If there is a big spend item like on the menu, like what do you recommend if they're like, we really want to just you know, like impress or wow Mm -hmm. our guests. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you recommend? You know, and it's funny, at Halakulani, we have a wonderful beef wellington that Mm. tastes like heaven. So absolutely, you want to go ahead and money's no object. You just want a beautiful dish, then absolutely you go with the beef wellington. My previous property, actually one of my favorite dishes was our vegetarian, one of our vegetarian options, which was a creamy pesto gnocchi. Mm. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. Exactly. (laughs) So when working with a client to choose a menu, we do have to look at the mix of the menu a little bit. For example, if you're doing stations, butler pass hors d'oeuvres, making sure that there's a chicken, there's a beef, there's a fish, there's a vegetarian option already there, making sure there's not too many fried items. Finding that balance in the menu, that's where we step in. Or all fried items, if that's what you want. (laughs) I'm like, why is that a bad thing? Exactly, exactly. But trying to find, if you want balance to a menu, trying to find that balance to a menu and just make sure that everybody has a little bit of everything. You know, that's where we come in and, and make those recommendations, you know, yeah. from all the way from appetizers to, to desserts. Yeah, that, and that's a really tricky balancing act because you are trying to accommodate a large group of people. Mm-hmm. And everybody's, you know, so picky about different things. And you want to make sure that everybody has something that they're going to walk away and feel awesome about. Of course. It's funny. One thing that I said, and you mentioned this earlier about if your crowd is coming from California versus the Midwest, Mm -hmm. a lot of times when I have couples picking menus, they're picking a lot of raw fish, right? Mm Because we're in Hawaii. I always warn people, you know, if you're doing past apps and all three of them are just different versions of poke or sashimi or something, it may not necessarily be a crowd pleaser for everyone. Depending, not, not saying that Midwesterners don't like it, but... Do we have enough variety for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. And and that's, you know, to my point of just making sure that we have, you know, hot items and cold items mixed in between. That's where really kind of the expertise of the keto manager comes in to make sure that there is diversity within the meal that you're eating as well. So Christiane, you know, when we're talking about menus, a lot of people are so focused on their dinner, right? The meal. They forget about a lot of the other food items that are going to be coming from the venue as well. Cake, appetizers, late night snacks, desserts, whatnot. Let's talk about that. Like, what are some of the items that the hotel provides that may not be obvious or may kind of be on the back burner as a, oh, shoot. So, you know, we, we kind of nailed on our menu. We have a fabulous four course meal, including the delicious wedding cake. What are the things that we're forgetting? There's a lot of options and a lot of opportunity here to get creative and get a little bit out of the box. You know, I love for a cocktail reception. I think you have to have a few butler past hors d'oeuvres. It elevates the experience a yeah. little bit. You have food coming to you. Um, so I think that's that's something that a lot of clients leave to to the back burner a little bit. But I think adding these special touches is what, you know, takes an event and really elevates it. As you mentioned, doing a late night snack, you know, bringing in some French fries and some sliders at the end of the night after dancing the night away. And drinking. There's nothing better than some salty food (laughs) after you've been drinking. Yeah, exactly. Choosing, you know, an exciting maybe dessert station that has a little bit of everything. A carving station that you have on the side as a bonus. You know, that's those are the fun things that you can really take and elevate your your wedding. And those are some of the things that, you know, relating to the food and beverage minimums, if the event's really not there, we just need a little bit more oomph. Those are the items that we're going to recommend. But at the end of the day, those are the items that are a little bit more fun, a little bit more creative. You can get spicy with them. And we talk about this all the time on our podcast, having good food and good drinks really makes a wedding. Like people remember great food and they remember horrible food. So I think it is such an important thing. Tessa, I would be remiss to not mention cake because I know you are so excited to have Christiana from Holly Kulani who, in my opinion, they make the best wedding cakes. And I'm not a cake person at all. It's a big deal it's because big you deal. do not like cake. I'm not even but into cake. But he cakes will eat the Holly Kulani wedding cake always. That's awesome. It's so good. So it is just a simple white cake with the white cream and a little spread of apricot jam, like just a very traditional French style cake. And also your hotel is like, you guys are known for your cakes. President Obama comes for your cake. Chef Sam Choi comes for your cakes. And that's a big deal for me. Like, you know what I mean? Just to be clear, Joe, that is the Halekulani signature coconut cake. Another amazing, mind-blowing cake, but it is different from their classic wedding cake. Okay. Yeah. So there are two cakes that I think that you'd love at the Holly Kulani. Well, I've had both and they're both amazing. I mean, and that's the thing is like, how do you get to know that? Like you can hear us talk about it. And honestly, hands down, you're like, wow, this is an amazing cake. But like, if you're not physically there to taste that, have that experience, how do you know that? You know? And so I think that's kind of a really important question we're trying to get at today. When you have something that's, you know, simple and really good, you know, don't have to reinvent the wheel sometimes. And it's nice to have that option to know that you're going to come in and you just want the you know, traditional Halekulani wedding cake. Great. You are not going to be disappointed by it. It's nice to have that reassurance. So the second part of this is the bar, right? So let's talk about the bar. Like, how do you elevate or how do you even understand what a hotel provides and how do you elevate that experience for your guests? Mm-hmm. Of course, I mean... 
at the end of the day, a bar can be as simple as beer, wine, your main liquors. But we can get excited and creative with it too. You know, we can make beautiful specialty cocktails. We can even make beautiful specialty mocktails. You know, moving into 2023, actually, mocktails were a huge trend. So we can get creative with our bar team with that too and, and really create a really nice signature drink for the couple. But beyond that, really kind of understanding also how a venue prices their bars and their alcohol is something that you do need to know. Either you can get charged on consumption per beverage, you can get charged by the hour, you can pick up the whole tab for the bar, or you can have your guests pay on own too. So understanding the possibilities and where there's flexibility with that is crucial in having that conversation with the catering manager. If we're a little bit budget conscious, then what we can do is create a limit on the bar spend. And then everything after you hit a certain amount that you're comfortable picking up, then everything can turn into cash bar. So really going back and forth with the cater manager and understanding what the options are, but also where your limits are from a budget perspective is huge. I think one of the really great things about having your wedding at the Halikulani, to your point, Christiana, really is you have so much flexibility in how you create this bar. A lot of couples, I think, get worried getting married at a hotel that drinks are more expensive, their bar is going to be crazy expensive, but you can limit and you can control it a lot more than at an outdoor venue. With an outdoor venue, you are buying all the alcohol, you're paying for bartenders, you're paying for a bar front, you're paying for coolers and ice and all of these things where at the hotel, you can do a full cash bar where your guests are paying for everything themselves, which I know is not ideal for people, but for budget conscious couples, it really can work in your favor to do it at a hotel. You can also, like you said, choose to cap. So if we want to do a one or $2,000 limit, you can control that. You can do drink tickets where everyone gets one or two drink tickets per person. You can obviously host the whole thing. You can host just wine or just shots, you know? So there's a lot of options with those things. And I think doing your wedding at a hotel gives you that flexibility that a lot of other open venues don't. You know, even to add on that, sometimes you have really heavy beer drinkers and you need more beer. We can run and grab more beer. We have it on property as opposed to, yes, being limited and only coming in with the amount of alcohol that you have and being limited to that amount. But we can also work around conversations with regards to the budget. Um, For example, if you are thinking that you want a full bar, but maybe the budget's not all there. Instead of offering a full bar, why don't we offer two, three specialty cocktails? That way, you know, your hard liquor are those specialty cocktails. You have that option there. You can limit it a little bit better. And then we have the beer, wine, soft drinks, so on and so forth after that. I want to tell a quick story. I did a wedding and the couple had a specialty old fashioned and they used a certain type of whiskey. I don't remember what it is. I'm not an old fashioned drinker because there's no gin in it. <laughs> um, but they had, I think, X amount of bottles. They ran out. But because we were at the Halikulani, they were able to get it from one of their outlets. So they were, again, if we were at another venue and we ran out, they would have switched it to something else. But because we were at the hotel, they were able to get it from their outlet, and then continue the night like nothing happened. Exactly. Nobody wants to run out of booze. Nobody <laughs> wants to run out of booze. <laughs> that will never happen. Maybe the coordinator wants them to run out of booze. desperately run out of booze. <laughs> so obviously Tessa is the coordinator. She gets to know everything about the ins and outs of planning weddings. I like I'm a photographer, so sometimes I have questions that I actually don't really know because I don't touch these things. But if you book a hotel as your venue, are there 
amenities or add-ons that a hotel will like will be provided, you know, just because of you're working with a particular venue or hotel? Yes. I mean, every, again, every hotel kind of has their own packages. Some include everything, some portion everything a la carte, basically. But some of the typical items that you usually get when booking a venue, you know, you do get a discounted room rate oftentimes, or maybe a room on the night of the wedding is included in your package. Sometimes when hotels include a room as part of the package, you know, take a look at what their average rate is and, and see how that translates into the package. You know, you can be booking a hotel where the average rate is 300 a night versus 900 a night. Obviously, that gives you an idea of the value presented there. Regarding parking, some hotels offer complimentary parking, some have valet only, some have self-parking only. So when negotiating contracts, those are things to keep in mind as well. If, if you do, if you're searching for a little bit more value, if the wedding contract is right at your budget, you're just trying to make it worth it, have these conversations with the catering manager and see what else can be done and maybe what your priorities are. Does the venue include floral or do you have to bring in the floral? The great thing about hotels is that most of them are going to include your tables, your chairs, your linen, and so on and so forth, candles sometimes on, on the tables as well. So really having an understanding of what is provided to you and what's complimentary versus what you have to go out and buy is a good indicator of, of the sense of value you're getting from a hotel. I was going to just say the same thing, right? It's not necessarily an upgrade, but compared to an outdoor venue, with a hotel, you have tables, chairs, linens, forks, plates, knives, bathrooms, air conditioning, a roof over your head. So again, these aren't upgrades, but these are things that are not included in a standard outdoor venue. So when you're budgeting, keep those things in mind. When you're looking at upgrades, right? Again, chargers, your rooms, right? Are those things that can get included? There are also hotels where depending on how much you spend, you get elevated inclusions. One thing, Christiana, that you forgot to mention is the wedding cake. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm so sorry I brought this up earlier. <laughs> when you get married at the Holly Kulani Hotel, hit the food and beverage minimum and your wedding cake is included and they make it to whatever size your guest count needs. So you don't get a sad little six inch cake. <laughs> if you have a hundred people, they're going to give you a cake to serve a hundred mm-hmm. plus you get to take that top to your home. Okay, this was so much fun. I'm like kind of hungry right now. Like <laughs> <laughs> the beauty is, you actually brought us some pastries from Holly Kalani. I think that was like your like. They're so good. Yeah, just try to like make sure this edit sounds really nice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Please make me sound good. <laughs> but let's talk about this really quick. Give us a quick little overview about Holly Kalani and the property, and like kind of some of the things that you guys do unique for weddings. Yeah. So, you know, what we like to say is that we call ourselves an oasis of tranquility. You know, we are in Waikiki, but we are the peace in Waikiki. And when you want to go outside and step away in in the craziness, hustle and bustle of Waikiki, it's just a few footsteps away. As you mentioned earlier, you know, we have uh, different venues within the property. We have indoor, outdoor spaces. We have a beautiful terrace called How Terrace that overlooks the beautiful Pacific Ocean, as well as as Diamond Head. And with that, you actually have an option of indoor and outdoor space too. So you can feel like you're outside, but also have the air conditioning that helps you out a little bit. What's great about our teams is that our catering banquet teams are highly experienced and really fully dedicated to ensuring that our client's vision comes to life. As you're walking through with the catering manager, they're going to hold your hand through through everything. And then the day of, the banquet manager will be there to just make sure that your event is executed flawlessly. And at the end of the event, 
you are leaving with a huge smile on your face. One thing that I want to plug for the Halikulani really is their service. From the point that you drop your car off at Valet to talking to the catering manager to execution, the banquet team from the banquet captains to the service staff to the housemen when they're helping me move all the chairs, like everyone there, service is always so excellent. And that is a huge part for me as a vendor and also for my clients. They see the service in every step of their wedding planning process. Mm-hmm. Their lunch the next day, like everyone is always so top notch there. So kudos to your team. Thank you. And, you know, as I speak with other couples, I feel that in in their experience to a property. So I am so proud to be there and, and work with just a set of such dedicated individuals that have so much heart into what they do. At the end of the day, they're just there to make sure the couple's happy and the client's happy and everybody leaves fully fulfilled. And that's the goal for a wedding, right? From start to finish, that you feel fulfilled, that you chose the right venue that you had an epic, memorable day that you'll never forget. And with that, our show's a wrap. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we look forward to catching you guys on another show and all the pastries that you brought. (laughs) Yay. Thanks so much for being here. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Catch you next time. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Unveiling Paradise. If you enjoy our show, please follow us and rate us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. It would really mean a lot. And don't forget to also get on our mailing list and follow us on Instagram. Just do it already. Until next time, this is Tessa. And this is Joe. And don't forget, your happily ever after is just a plane ride away. <laughs>